Hello guys, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about content marketing for Jewelry, how you can create your strategy. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Larissa Birstuk. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me back again. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to learn more, you know, because we chatted a little bit before the podcast and uh, I love to learn different audience customers. And uh, yeah, I spent some time on that, but I never learned about passion about Julia and yeah you gave me new insights about that that's why I'm excited to learn more Larissa before we start just tell more about your self-experience background remind about your business for new listeners who don't know you and tell why you're better than many others (laughs) (laughs) okay sure so I'm Larissa I'm the founder of Joy Joya we are a digital marketing agency that we specifically serve the jewelry industry. So it's very niche and I'm very intimately familiar with this industry. And we're primarily focused on supporting the industry with content marketing. So that's what I'm going to chat about today. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about creating the right strategy. Uh, Let me share uh, my story. You know, many years ago, uh, like 12 years ago, I started my digital marketing journey. At that time, I didn't know anything about creating the right strategy, but Google ranked all my content because competition was so low. Today, it's another story. Everyone is online. All companies are online and we need to compete with each other. It's hard. It's hard to create uh, content that will win engagement. Can you tell how to create the right strategy? Because I see the trap when companies check out iChefs, SEMrush, other great tools, see this high volume can feel wow i want this content i want this traffic but it doesn't mean that you can sell by having this traffic uh, because you need to compete with other big brands and in the second it doesn't mean that you can sell by having this traffic and i know from uh, a website owner who lost 400,000 traffic because google dropped his ranking positions but he didn't lose any sales so he got a lot of traffic that didn't sell Any tips about creating the right strategy? Oh boy, yeah. So (laughs) I can speak to the kind of businesses I work with in jewelry. So you would be surprised a lot. It's a super competitive industry, especially with like wedding jewelry, engagement rings, diamonds, very, very competitive. But a lot of these brands aren't focused on content at all because it's just like, not the normal way of doing business. Like, even though you would think there are so many stories to be told about jewelry, it's so emotional. It always shocks me how many people are not focused on content at all. And then with my agency, we're not necessarily an SEO agency. So that is not the primary thing that I'm talking about with my clients. We're first trying to figure out in terms of strategy, what's the story you want to tell? What's the unique story? Let's think about making content around that first. And then the SEO stuff is more like a a side thing that we think about because you can like, as you know, you can optimize the heck out of your website, but if the stuff isn't interesting, if it's not going to give you fans, customers for life, then who cares like how much traffic you're getting to your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about creating non-boring content. You know, it's interesting that uh, uh, today we have high bounce rate everywhere. YouTube, website content, TikTok everywhere, LinkedIn. Uh, and once I spoke with Jim Edwards, who told me that uh, uh, he worked in Business Insider 10 years, uh, then company was sold for $500 million. But he told me 
that their success depends on creating non-boring content. Yes. <laughs> is boring, but uh, I, uh, surely it's possible it's not boring. But anyway, how to create non-boring content for Jurly? <laughs> That is probably the hardest part of it. And like the thing that people take for granted, especially now we have chat GPT, we have AI tools. So like the illusion is that making content is so easy. You can just push a button and it like happens for you. And so why isn't this working for me? But you actually have to be very creative. And if you are going to use AI tools, you have to kind of make them work for you and your creativity. You can't just like rely on them to give you content that's going to be exciting. And being creative means really like intimately knowing your target audience. Like what do they really actually want? What's going to shake them up, like make them pay attention to you. Um, and knowing your story and what makes you different as a brand. And there are so, not just in jewelry, but just in general, there are so many businesses out there that they're like, I started a business. This is like something I want to do, but they don't think through like what actually makes me unique and interesting. They don't take the time to think about that. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned this word creativity. I love this word. I think it's the most important word in marketing because you need to be creative, especially you mentioned another word. AI, because AI is not creative. And many no. content creators complain <laughs> that AI is not creative because AI is the best rewriting tool ever. Rewriting, uh, it's not writing, it's not creating something new. Uh, can you tell how to be creative, you know, how to, because, you know, uh, when I'm talking about creativity, I, I usually remind my friends who can share about the new movie. And most of their reviews, like, nothing special the same plot i watch similar movies uh don't waste your time you know so but if you get a new movie with new plot uh you you love it you don't know what kind of the end will be so can you tell about creativity how to become creative when we have so much content online yeah so honestly i think it's such a mindset thing like i think a lot of business owners they're a little bit scared to do something different because they think it will alienate their audience or maybe they won't appeal to everyone then so they look to like their competitors oh what's my competitor doing okay i'll just do that because that seems like safe or like the right thing to do but i think if you can change your mindset to like be more confident about your brand, about your story, about the message that you want to share. And you can just really put blinders on and say, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to try to copy anyone. And you can believe that fully. It will just help you naturally be more creative because you won't be stuck in just like playing it safe or copying other people. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's so hard to copy others because you need to pretend to be someone else, you know, but <laughs> if you play yourself it's not difficult it's not hard uh, it's so true yeah just be <laughs> yeah. yourself and that's the easiest thing but you have to like believe that that's valuable yeah yeah i i often see this trap when someone uh comes to me and ask please uh, check out my competitors i need their traffic i need their sales uh create the same content we don't need to create the same content. If I want to compete with Mr. Beast, how I can do it? Because uh, he uses his loving format. 
uh, he plays with that, he got experience. And um, I see the trap when, you know, people are trying to create TikTok videos without enjoying the process. You need to enjoy creating these short videos. Yeah. It's uh, so true. Yeah. Because yeah. your customers are going to see through that. If you're not having fun, like they're not stupid, they're going to notice that. If you're having fun, loving it, being creative, being yourself, people will respond to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about finding the right channel. Uh, Jurly customers, what channels they like? <laughs> yeah. Well, usually with content, I like to have people start with their website and kind of build mm -hmm. like the pillars there. So whether that's blog posts or style guides and tips or like ebooks, really building out the website content. And with a product like jewelry, and really with a lot of other products, you have to educate the customers to a certain extent, because maybe they never bought jewelry before, or maybe they're nervous about it, or this is more money than they usually spend on something. So having all that content on your website first, and then using the channels to distribute that content. And for jewelry, I would say definitely email marketing, huge um sms if that makes sense for your target audience and then social media platforms instagram pinterest tiktok even facebook sometimes mm -hmm. you know it's interesting i removed tiktok because tiktok tiktok learned my mind i don't know how but tiktok <laughs> knows my loving content and uh, I can't stop watching these short videos, you know, like for two hours. Uh, I usually open TikTok on in restroom, you know, yeah, in some time. But you know, uh, after this, I I keep watching these videos. <laughs> I decided to stop, you know, because it's hard uh, to go ahead. I I have many other things to do, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love TikTok. It's addictive. It, yeah, addictive, so addictive, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk about, uh, for example, if I choose one channel, TikTok, Instagram, uh, can you tell how to create content that satisfy users on these channels? Yeah, well, I really like to use that website content as like the inspiration for everything and also to keep everything super consistent. So let's say you wrote a blog post about, uh, right now, people are shopping for gifts for graduation, so they might buy like a jewelry for a new grad, new grad, new graduate. <laughs> I can't say that. Yeah. Um, and so having a blog post that says, here are like the best gifts for the new graduate. And then you can borrow bits and pieces from that for Instagram. So you could say like do a carousel or a reel that's like, here's a roundup of our favorite gift ideas for graduates. And if you want to learn more, you could go to our website. We have like a whole gift guide there. So I really like using that website content as the foundation and then pulling from that for the social media content and the email content. Mm -hmm. You mentioned this word consistency. You know, uh, I see when content creators uh, misunderstand this word because they think like consistency, like frequency, you know, uh, these words are different. Can you tell how divide consistency and frequency? Because we have different formats. Uh, I see some content creators can create content at scale every single day. Uh, they're good with that, like Gary Vee, for example, uh, he can create a lot of content. Uh, I can't tell its uh, quality, but his audience loves because uh, I think he, uh, found the way how to create 
quality content at scale, but uh, many other content creators spend more time researching uh, to craft this content. Can you tell how to find the balance between uh, creating content at scale and think more about quality? <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question. And it's about it's a it's a difficult balance to find. It depends on the resources that you have. I tend to work with like small and medium sized businesses, so they don't have the resources necessarily to be cranking out content all the time. And it, so consistency means that everything is aligned. So your social posts look like your email marketing and look like your website and everyone is getting the very same experience. Frequency, if you're posting every day, multiple times a day, but there's no strategy behind it or it doesn't align or look like anything else that you're putting out to your audience, it's not even going to matter. You're just going to be wasting your time. So personally, I think being aligned, making everything in the customer experience look and feel the same is more important than posting every day necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. And uh, you mentioned about storytelling. Uh, you know, uh, for example, you remind me uh, Tim Cook from Apple uh, when he shares stories about uh, new products. You know, he doesn't share a lot of features. He doesn't share that uh, this product uh, has, I don't know, some features that many other products might have. For example, Apple Watch. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I watched the presentation of Apple Watch, he shared three stories how this gadget can help to decide problems. And when uh, Steve Jobs uh, created uh, iPod, he didn't share uh, that uh, this gadget has 10 gigabyte of memory. He shared that uh, thousand songs in your pocket. You know, so you know it creates the feeling of uh, uh, owning something, some product. Can you tell about how to craft the stories? I mean, like uh, to create the feeling. Uh, you know, because after watching Apple presentations, I want to have it. I want to take this gadget. I want to use it because I know this gadget can help me, can simplify my life, can decide my problems. Uh, can you tell how to create such feeling? <laughs> yeah, what, what you said is so smart. It just makes me think of the customer journey and how there are different stages to that. If you're literally just learning about the Apple Watch for the first time, you, unless you're like a super fan, you're not going to be ready to like pull out your credit card and buy immediately then. At that first stage, you kind of just want to get like emotionally like swept up in how cool it is. And you don't need to know the features. You just need that initial interest and feeling. Once you get to the product page and you're ready to hit add to cart and check out, that's when you might need to know, oh, let me just check the the features and make sure this is exactly what I need. But in that beginning interest stage, you don't need the whole bulleted list of all the product features. And that same thing, I would say, translates very much to social media, because usually on social media, people are not always in a shopping mindset. They're just there to like have fun. They're scrolling. They just want to be entertained or distracted. And you telling them some product features on them, they're going to just like space out. They don't want that. They want to be like caught up in like a feeling, you know, and that will draw them in and eventually hopefully make them want to learn more about the product. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And uh, you mentioned about uh, sales funnel and uh, uh, I see when content creators uh, take some 
topics uh, uh, that uh, are not related to their customers. For example, if I take SEO, you know, in the first stage, it's hard. It's really hard to get this keyword because many big companies in the top 10 results, I don't know, like SEMrush, Ahrefs, if you are talking about weight loss, I remember one client told me, I want to rank uh, weight loss in the top 10. Man, you know, in the top 10 billion dollar companies, you know, this industry brings a yeah. lot of money. So I, I have no idea how to do it with limited resources. Yeah, it's impossible. No, I think um, everything possible, but it's so extremely hard. Uh, and uh, in the second, it doesn't mean that you can sell by having this keyword. If I rank SEO, it doesn't mean that I can sell SEO services because it's quite different. Can you tell about covering the right topics? I mean, like, for okay, if you feel that, uh, I don't know, let's imagine, uh, Jurli, uh, I have no idea right now, uh, Jurli for, uh, for uh, old woman. I don't know why I found this topic, but yeah, yeah, no, I think I totally get what you're saying. I think to playing on the weight loss example in jewelry, that would probably be like engagement rings. A mm -hmm. lot of people search for that, like when they're ready for that. It's a very, very general, general topic in the jewelry industry. And there are a lot of really big companies that are already dominating the first page. And those are the same companies that probably most people would kind of already know in their heads if they're looking for an engagement ring. So yeah, ranking on that first page, you know, people are going to see all the big names and they're going to be like, who's that? They're not going to pay attention because those other um, websites, they already have the brand resonance. People are already aware of them. So yeah, knowing it all comes back to knowing your target audience. If you're a smaller brand trying to compete for engagement rings, then you kind of have to be niche. You need to cater to like, let's say engagement rings for like same sex couples or something like that, or engagement rings like for quirky people. Maybe they want something like a little more unique or different. And that person searching for that, when they find you, it will just be immediate connection because they will have found the product they want. They're not going to want those big companies. That's not going to like suit their needs. So sometimes it is about niching down a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell about uh, creating the trust feeling, you know, for example, if you're talking about, about engagement rings, you know, it can cost like a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. I can imagine even hundred thousand dollars, you know, so if million, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, can you tell how to create the trust feeling from customers that uh, you have high quality product. It's not about the price. It's more about uh, knowing your audience, if they have money, if they are willing to pay, you know, for uh, expensive uh, items, but they need to know its quality. Can you tell yeah. more about that? Well, that's where content really can shine because then you mm -hmm. have the opportunity to educate your customers to show off maybe user generated content. So show your other customers and how, they're happy and they purchase the product um, or reviews or testimonials. I think anything to really like engage the person and to show trust through content will help one qualify that customer and also like make them trust you more. So content is extra important in a case like that. Mm -hmm. uh, 
content marketing is more about uh, education, uh, sharing value. Uh, I'm interested about uh, adding call to action. Can you tell how to add call to action uh, in the right place? Because, for example, I often see when people add in the end uh, and uh, some customers <laughs> uh, can't uh, achieve this place, you know, they just check out the beginning. So uh, any tips how to do it right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, not only like where to put it, but the kind of wording that you want to use, it also goes back to what we were talking about with like the funnel and the customer journey. It's like if someone is coming into your site through Google search for engagement rings, whatever, and they're finding like diamond education, like something very preliminary. They're just learning about how to buy. Maybe the call to action is not shop now because they're not yeah. ready for that. So you have to think about, okay, where do I want to take them from here? Maybe it's like a product quiz or something like learn about your style what kind of style engagement ring do you want um and that can come you know early in the post it could be maybe like a pop-up or something like that but you have to really think about where they are in their journey before you're like selling at yeah. them yeah nice nice and uh uh you you share a lot about website content but you know many people are looking uh for in Instagram, other places. Mm -hmm. And uh, can you tell how to unite the strategy? I mean, like to create content for website content and repurpose for social media. For example, my wife, she uses only Instagram. Uh, she doesn't care a lot about website content. She can spend uh, like two hours on Instagram as I can on TikTok. <laughs> so <laughs> we are addictive with that. So can you tell how to unite the strategy we've created a few pieces similar content repurposing content yeah so like continuing with the engagement ring example let's say on your website you do have like a very in-depth blog post or some kind of landing page but like your wife she's not going to go there and read all that you can use chat gpt perhaps to take that summarize it into like very small chunks and either make that like a caption for a post or make like a series of Instagram stories that just quickly give you like the quick nuggets of information. But I would definitely always encourage you to share that link too, in case someone does want to know more, maybe they won't, but like, I think it's important to have a way for them to go to your website, no matter what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Let's talk about common mistakes can you list mistakes that companies jewelry companies still do and your tips how to find a much better way <laughs> i think so. well we talked about this already but like the lack of confidence in the unique story and just kind of wanting to try to copy competitors so having the boldness to be creative i think that's so important um not being consistent we mentioned this already and just kind of mm -hmm. being all over the place with your content I think of maybe not a mistake, but a missed opportunity is forgetting to repurpose more evergreen content too. So like you can spend all this time making a piece of content that's good forever or can be updated. And then you just forget to share it or promote it. And it's there, but not really like working for you. So making sure to repurpose. I think another mistake is not planning very well, <laughs> like mm -hmm. just going day by day. So you need to have like a 
one month, three month, six month plan to know what's ahead and what you want to achieve. And then also making sure you have um, ways to measure the content to see like, how can it be better? And what can you change? And what can you do more of? So yeah, those are some common mistakes. Yeah, love it, love it. And uh, how to create priorities, you know, because I see uh, when companies have a list of topics, but it's hard to create high quality content for all topics. For example, uh, if you find 100 topics, uh, but have uh, limited resources, I usually have two hands, you know, so <laughs> it's hard to find time to type uh, all these words to unite them. So can you tell about choosing the right priorities? That's always hard for everyone, but I find with my clients, I mean, this is not true with all product businesses, but usually in jewelry, they like release collections or they release new products, whether that's once a month or once a season. So we try our best to align the content with like whatever new thing is coming out. And that doesn't mean it has to be time sensitive, but maybe we think of something similar that can be more evergreen, but it matches like the way the products are being launched or introduced. That way we know we can always be using that content to help support sales as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Larissa, I want to ask you about uh, hiring copywriters, you know, because uh, it's a big issue for my clients. Uh, I often get this question, how to find the right copywriters. Many years ago, I had a team of copywriters who wrote about anything. I gave them topics, weight loss, jewelry, finance, anything. They wrote Google ranked, uh, we got traffic, uh, but today it's another story because uh, of competition and it's hard to find writers who can create high quality content. So can you tell your methods of hiring copywriters? Do you have them in your team or you uh, outsource them? Any tips about that? It's so hard to find good copywriters. Yeah. Um, I've had the best luck on Upwork finding people, but also I've tried people who just didn't work out. And sometimes you just have to test people. I think if you're posting on Upwork to look for someone, make sure that they have written for your niche or the type of industry that you're in. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's true. There are probably people who can be versatile and they can write whatever, but you'll have better luck if they have samples that they've written in your industry or niche. Um, I don't have any good tips. I would say don't be cheap about it because yeah. you get what you pay for with content. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of business owners who personally have never created content, they don't super value it. So they don't understand. They think it should just be cheap. And hey, now AI can do it. So why not? But really, you get what you pay for and you will see that in the result and wonder why it's so bad <laughs> when you yeah. were cheap about it. Guys, ChatGPT has plus 100 million users. <laughs> if you generate content, you can imagine all of them can generate this content as well. So, <laughs> yeah. And most of them do it. Most of them do it. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, uh, I cooperate with great writers who can write for Forbes, uh, Investopedia, and all of them use ChatGPT, all of them, but they use it smart. It's not like to overuse. For example, if I uh, use prompt like how to play guitar, how to lose weight, how to buy jewelry, no, it's so generic. It's so generic, you can get 
uh, information that others can find in the top 10 on Google, uh, on Bing, any other places. Uh, but if people, uh, uh, by the way, I'm looking on Upwork as well, but uh, I usually search uh, for uh, writers who have experience of creating content. For example, if I see they write for uh, other great places, I check out if this, uh, their publications have traffic, then I reach out to them, cooperate with them. And yeah, uh, that way it works. But if you search on Upwork, ask them uh, what topics they can write. If they tell you, I can write about anything. No, that's a them. bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never cooperate with such people. <laughs> yeah. uh, Larissa, I want to ask about your unique selling proposition. You know, I found that all marketers have their strong sides. Uh, sometimes I can ask the same question and get, not sometimes, often, always, I get different answers, you know, how they can see how marketing works, how, uh, of course, we have foundation, but in most cases, everyone uses their experience to be better than uh, the rest. Can you tell about your unique selling proposition? proposition, your strong side, why you are better than uh, many others? Yeah. So I think the reason why my clients resonate with me and kind of my selling proposition is many of these businesses have wasted so much money on poor ad strategies, like vanity, public relations, just things that are not sustainable long-term business growth. And so they come to me like very frustrated that they've spent money on these like paid channels and now they're ready for a more sustainable like story driven content based approach and because they've had those experiences they are not turned off by the fact that it might take a little bit of time to see results like they're they're done looking for the quick fix and they want to build their business in a sustainable way mm -hmm. yeah love it love it and uh can you tell about uh, your methods to uh, transfer data to your customers. You know, let me uh, clarify about that. For example, uh, I found on Twitter when marketers complain that uh, clients usually implement 40% of all recommendations. For example, <laughs> if someone pays you like, I don't know, like $10,000, yeah, uh, 6,000 of them are wasted because they have no time to implement, to uh use these recommendations uh and uh i found that many marketers try to simplify the experience by cooperating with clients because uh, some big companies have uh, different departments decision makers so can you tell how to tell your customers about importance of creating high quality content in jewelry field to uh, stick with that. Uh, yeah, uh, your methods of uh, transferring data. <laughs> it can be really hard depending on the client because as you said, there are different departments involved. Everyone has different opinions. In some companies, there's no one really managing those opinions. So someone could just be like, I think it should be like this without any data really behind it. So my job is to make sure that as best as I can, every decision is being driven by data and that it can be measured rather than like everyone just throwing ideas at the wall. And that way we can really prioritize and make sure even if we don't do 100% of the recommendations I make, at least we're focusing on the ones that are going to have hopefully have the most impact. Yeah, nice, nice. Priorities. Love it, love it. And Larissa, I opened your LinkedIn profile. 
because I love opening LinkedIn profiles and you know, I see this red book, red cover, Julie Marketing <laughs> Joy. Can you tell me about this book? Uh, yeah. You know, because, yeah, you know, I, I have a huge list of books that I need to read. I have no time to read a teeny percent of great books, but I love the strong reason from book offers <laughs> who can give me benefits. What kind of benefits can I get by reading book and uh, tell for my audience what kind of benefits they can get by reading your book? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this book, it was specifically written for jewelry business owners. I think people who are newer to marketing or maybe newer to the industry, but I really think anyone that has a product based business, especially with e-commerce could get like a foundation of marketing. So it's certainly not for an experienced marketer. They're not going to learn anything new. But for someone who really wants a great overview of all the ways to market an e-commerce business, that's really what the book is meant to do. Mm -hmm. Nice. Guys, I'll submit the link to this book in the description below. So if you work on this niche, you must read this book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Larissa, I, I want to ask you about ChatGPT because, you know, yeah, that was simple to ignore, hard today, impossible tomorrow when we had the first episode. We didn't discuss about AI today. Yeah, I think everyone uh, uh, thinks how to implement AI. And can you tell your methods of using ChatGPT, uh, not overusing? Because, you know, when content creators overuse, they create generic information. Tell your methods how to use it smart. Totally. Well, I think it's the best when you come to it with a strong vision, you already know what you want to make. If you come to it without knowing what you want to make, it will be hard to get like a good output from it. I mean, certainly you could come to it to help you brainstorm and get those initial ideas, but you really need to be the one with the creative vision and then use ChatGPT as a tool to like maybe expand upon some of your ideas or just see new perspectives that maybe you hadn't thought of before. But ultimately, you need to be the one in charge. You can't just like let put it off on chat GPT to like make it happen. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. And um, I want to ask the question that I asked in the first episode, uh, but I have new listeners and they're looking for ways how to learn from scratch. And I found that I get best results with clients who understand SEO because we can help with SEO services. But uh, can you tell what will you do today differently if you started from scratch by learning about jewelry uh, marketing? For me personally or like as yeah. advice to people? <laughs> yeah, if you started from scratch, uh, want to get the basic and cooperate with experts who can help you to lead in the right direction or even to go ahead to advance your skills yeah well i think when i first started in marketing i just thought marketing was like creative and like ideas and let's just try stuff and be interesting but as i've like matured in my career i realize it's such a balance with data so if i could go back and feel more comfortable and confident about data first and make all decisions from data like back at the beginning, that would have been a much better foundation for me because I feel like I just made mistakes and learned from those without actual like numbers or proof behind them. Yeah, for me, it's hard to count how many mistakes I made in my life, you know, so <laughs> some of them were terrible, you know, I remember when in 
2008, I had a financial company in Ukraine, uh, and uh, I, I earned a lot of money, good money, but uh, the world crisis came right. and I lost this company. I lost everything, even more. I had debts equal to 3,000 average salaries in Ukraine, a lot of debts, but you know, I, I worked hard for five years to get back all this, uh, my debts. And, uh, but I acquired more than, uh, I acquired experience now how to handle my finance <laughs> the next time, because, sure. uh, I, I put all my legs, uh, all my eggs in one basket, you know, and that was a big mistake. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, uh, that sounds terrible, but I'm sure you learned so much from it. That will make you a better entrepreneur. Course. Yeah, of course, of course. And, uh, I want to ask you about the future, you know, <laughs> I today marketing is quickly changing field. So can you forecast what kind of future will be and your tips how to adapt today to this possible future? <sighs> Should I take out my crystal ball? I can start predicting the future. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of people are scared that marketers are going to become irrelevant. And I don't believe that's true at all. I think maybe people who are specialized in certain deliverables, they might need to worry a little bit like AI might replace that. But I believe strategy and leadership in marketing is going to be more important than ever. And the truly creative visionary marketers, the people who can like see the big picture, see how AI tools can fit into this big picture, they will be the most valuable people. And I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's important to adapt AI uh, to anything what you do. Uh, because uh, it's the same like, I don't know, when people got the first tractor, you know, so farmers uh, got the feeling they can lose their jobs, but they adapted to drive this tractor. And in the future, we will have uh, prompt specialists who can create prompts, who can uh, edit results. Uh, um, yeah, we need to write, but we need to adapt to this technology because in the future, if you don't drive the tractor, uh, then you can't compete with someone who can, you know, so uh, I think <laughs> yeah. Shaul can help you. <laughs> yeah. Larissa, it's a big pleasure to get again on my show to learn from you. You always so kind to share this valuable insights. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you, how to have the same smile that you have. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, thanks for having me. This was super fun. You can go to joyjoya.com. That's my website. I also have a podcast. If you search Joy Joya, you'll find it. It's on YouTube. If you search that, you'll find it. And I just talk more about all of this stuff. So if you liked it, you'll get much more of it. <laughs> nice, guys. You can find the links uh, to Larissa Virstuk in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. Welcome back anytime to share more value. I love it, guys. You need to follow Larissa because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you.